Welcome to the best of seven succession power rankings for episode four, where there are no goons or rough jacks looming around the corner to administer a beating. I'm Kyle Coster. I'm here with Stephen Douglas. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through last night's episode, power ranking the characters, the entities in the quest to find, as we always do, who is most likely to succeed. And Stephen, I think for this episode, the plot device of getting Kendall and Logan together through this Josh Aronson individual who represents the shareholders. I believe they said he owns 4% of the company or the stock, whatever it might be. It didn't make a lot of sense if you consider that the last episode ended with the FBI rating Waystar. So you had those stakes, which were super high. And then the shareholders thing to me seems like way down the depth chart in terms of things that everybody should be worried about. I didn't fully understand why Kendall would be so interested in saving face. I'm still unclear if he's trying to start his own thing or if his whole plan is to emerge as the new head of Waystar and needs it to be in shape or if he's just doing this to prevent a hostile takeover from Stewie uh, where he loses control. So let's talk about the idea of getting the two Roys who we've seen in separate rooms up to this point of the season together at this magical place that is a private island that has a labyrinth of a maze out there, a place where you can eat oysters, seaside by the beach. You can make up illnesses for your daughter and you can just genuinely do whatever the hell you want. What did you think about the idea of bringing it all together to have this moment between the two? Well, it was, I mean, it's awkward. It's, it's fun to see them uh, because they're in such a bad spot. Um, obviously, trying to kill each other, sometimes uh, literally, sometimes figuratively. Josh, they, they need Josh to uh, stay with the family, as it were, or else uh, Stewie and, his, uh, and the shareholders will be able to take over. So he's a necessary evil. They have to deal with him. He's their easiest way, it seems right now, to keep control. But as we saw towards the end, um, it also seems like they've lost him. Yeah, and one wonders if that was a fate accompli, if there's anything that could have been said that was going to give them the winning hand over Stewie. And really, considering the way the episode ended, as you mentioned, we're going to drastically change our rankings because it felt like the season took a drastic right turn and therefore the balance of power has been altered. So let's start at the bottom. Number seven, Tom Wamsgan, who is having a existential crisis. He is doing deep research into federal facilities. He's ranking prisons, never a place you want to be. He is realizing slowly that he will not be able to craft an artisan prison wine that's up to the standards <laughs> of a debutante and a socialite and the life that he's been accustomed to living for the last few years. He doesn't have much pull at work, even when Shiv comes to him and tries to strong arm him into getting one of the primetime talking heads into taking a harder line on the president. He kind of presents it as, look, I'm not going to be able to do that. He understands his lot in life 
He's feeling so impotent, maybe the most impotent he's ever felt in the series, which has been full of his impotence. He tries to delight with Greg. He tries to needle him. He tries to be that bully. Greg stands up to him. And I think that he's hurt because he realizes that he doesn't really have a lot of friends. He doesn't have a lot of power. Just a tough look for our man, Tom, who just a few episodes I felt like was maybe on the precipice or the cusp of pulling a power move. And if this whole prison sacrifice bunt thing works out, maybe he does in the end, but it's looking pretty bleak for old Tom. Well, here's the thing about sacrifice bunt as a, as a baseball player like yourself would know is that uh, the guy who lays down the sacrifice bunt is out. So Tom has, in, in an effort to get in good with his wife and his uh, father-in-law, and be a company man, he's offered to uh, pay the ultimate price, as it were. Um, but the good news is that for us, he's going to come on this podcast next week to rank the top seven uh, white-collar prisons, which should be fun. But yeah, it's Tom came off as outwardly weak as anyone in this entire show has come off, and that's including, like, Kendall at his absolute darkest moments. He just... You know, he's getting pushed around by Shiv. He's just a mope, you know, as as one should be when uh, there's a very real chance that they could be facing federal prison time. And, like, the the, the weirdest part of all of it is uh, when he's talking about this stuff with Shiv. And she's, like, she's just kind of accepting of how bad the prison life would be. She's, like, kind of nodding, like, well, you know, it won't be that bad and that kind of stuff. You know, it's it's just a it's a rough, rough time for Tom and uh, and his good buddy Greg can't even uh, put a smile on his face. It's it's a shame. There are so many things about this show that are hard to watch. There's the moral, ethical stuff. There's the way in which the Roy family, anytime they interact with normal people, how degrading it is. And uh, through that lens, I feel like Tom is kind of essentially that character from the inner circle, right? He's the outsider, he's Midwestern, he's decent. And though nobody has their hands truly clean on this show, I do think that this is a person that the audience roots for, sees some shred of decency and dignity in him. And I think it just kind of hits a little bit different when he is down in the dumps, when he's having a bummer of a time. And it's depressing in a very specific way. Do you think it's fun to watch Tom Wallow? I mean, a little bit. It's always fun when you step back from uh, like the, the drama of the series and just focus on just let the awfulness wash over you. And it's like Tom, Tom's hands are not clean. You know, he from the very beginning, like he's he knows what he's getting into to an extent. He's playing the game. He's he has power and money on his mind and shiv however he really feels about her you know it seems like he loves her but also she's she's a pretty uh nice meal ticket if things were to work out for him so i mean it's the same for every character you know you feel kind of bad but also you know you're like yeah well they deserve it yeah all right let's talk shiv she's at number six and that's a drop for her Mm -hmm. i think 
a few episodes ago, we may have had her three or two, and it looked like she was kind of maybe the successor to Logan Roy's empire. And I think that he has largely treated her differently throughout the series. He's been softer. He takes a real hard line with her in this episode, proves that he's not really listening to what she's saying. Her move to strong arm Raven's head, I believe, or Raven's claw, whatever the freedom fighting name is uh, on ATN into attacking the president is met with a with people walking out of a meeting just complete disrespect when she tries to put her foot down and she goes in so confidently to frank and carl and is kind of dictating terms of things you can tell that they act like she's a kid giving advice and they don't respect it and they immediately go to logan and say look she is her hands are getting too involved in what's going on here and you see that logan sides with them as he should because they have been in the business and she's very green. She is so focused on herself. She is so goal oriented. And I think that this was a really instructive episode in showing that she's not going to be able to accomplish those goals and get where she wants to go without some resistance, which I would say is warranted at this time, because I don't think that she has the best instincts. I used to think that they were great and they were pretty good in the optic political realm. I don't think that they've translated very well over to Waystar. Well, I think she's probably learning firsthand that Logan will do whatever, treat anyone however he has to treat them to get them where he wants them and needs them. And for Shiv, he needed her to, you know, become the pre take the president position and be the token woman to uh, maybe take a little heat off. And now that she's there, you know, okay, you got what you wanted. Now just keep doing what I want. Logan's not afraid of anything, but he's just, he gets the call. He's like, no, screw off, you know, stay out of the way. Let the real pros deal with it. Yeah. And I mean, it's really back to back humiliating episodes for her. If you take what happened at the town hall last week, coupled with what happened last night, she is falling fast. She's kind of like a hot team that started out eight and oh, and has now dropped three straight and may not be in the rankings come Tuesday I guess the question is, how does she get her mojo back? Well, she kind of tried to get it back with um, with Connor, who was asking who his his signature is worth something, you know, he um, and he wants a TV show or something. And she's like, oh, I thought you'd give you a lifestyle uh, program where you can do some wine tasting, which a lot, a lot of uh, concerns about wine tasting. Tom maybe could host a wine tasting show from prison. That would that would be a, a fun little fun little turn while Connor posts who knows what, but yeah, and she kind of did what uh, Logan does to her. Like she's got Connor in, she's like, well, no, this is how it's gonna be. But again, she's proven to be kind of powerless. Like Connor knows, you know, I'm I'm in a position where I have some leverage and I want something and. It doesn't matter. I, I'm not going to do a wine tasting show. I don't care. Next on our list at number five is Greg. And Greg made a major decision this week, and it was to change representation between someone who wanted to subvert the dominant paradigm of capitalism in one fell swoop to going with Waystar's lawyers. I'm going to go ahead and say that they have different 
views of the world and different views of how expendable Greg's future is to the entire process. So, well, it, on paper, it looked like it may be a smart decision to flee from Kendall, who it feels like a sinking ship at this point. I think that Kendall, even as indifferent as he is to Greg's feelings, probably has his best interest in heart more than Logan does. The scene where he goes and meets Logan and is offered a drink Mad Men style and he asks for rum and coke, I would say is among the funniest in the entire series. I laughed out loud. I was howling. Just the conceit of a meeting like that between power brokers and ordering a mixed drink and Logan belling out, can we get some Coca-Cola for Greg? Top-notch stuff, Mount Rushmore stuff for me. So funny. Like I mentioned it before. Like even when he's not trying to be humorous, he has that Will Ferrell thing where anything he does is going to be humorous. What did you make of that meeting and Greg's decision as a whole as he continues to be minute for minute the funniest character on television? First of all, that meeting was it's so crazy that like I mean, I don't know what the timeline for the show is. It's been like four years since the uh season first season premiered. But I mean four years ago Greg was throwing up into a uh into a head <laughs> of a mascot at a theme park. And now he's at the uh, having a one-on-one sit-down with the head of this multi-billion-dollar company, right? And just yeah, just to watch him. Oh, would you like a drink? Oh, a drink of alcohol? Sure, uh, a, a rum and coke. Like there hasn't been a Coca-Cola in this room since the the uh, apartment was built. And you know, Greg's he's got he does he did have a big decision to make. And it seems like he went with the one that uh, I'm, I'm sure that he, he did what uh, Jerry told Rome, or Roman to do, which is your best interest at all times. And I'm sure he thinks that this is his best interest now is to, you know, be on the Waystar team. And as we saw with the rest of the episode, the Waystar team could still be the Kendall team. And I'm sure, I mean, Kendall will hold it against him, but all these people are holding everything against each other at all times. So he just went with the best lawyers for now. Probably a smart decision. Maybe, maybe it's the smart decision, but I would look back and say that he has kind of turned his back on a quarter of a billion dollar inheritance from his uncle. That was probably yeah. a bad play. And his grand master plan when Tom comes to him and he talks about how he should game this out and what he wants, he wants to go very, he wants to go back to that arena you were speaking about earlier where he's throwing up in the mascot head. He wants to go back into theme parks and he lays out hilariously a very slow moving, a very realistic thing of promotion through that chain, through that system that he might be able to do if he had not any connection to the Roy family. His grandmaster plan is basically to work his way up the corporate ladder like anybody else from the outside. It's so funny because he can be in high stakes situations. He can be in low stakes situations. He kind of acts the same no matter what it is. Now that he's back, do you think that his lot over there is going to change at all? Do you think he'll be shown any more respect 
So yeah, short term, maybe a good decision, maybe less risk long term. I'm not sure if Greg is in a better place at the end of this episode as he was at the beginning. Well, you, you mentioned Greg's uh, po- possibly losing his inheritance. And I mean, I think we learned from the homeless man. I mean, it's a real uh, teach a man to fish scenario. I mean, you can put a you can put a tattoo on a man's head and give him a million dollars and, you know, he'll eat for who knows how long. But if you teach that man a tattoo, he'll eat for the rest of his life. So Greg, Greg doesn't want, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars. How long can that go? I mean, you've seen some of these apartments, some of these rents. Um, $40,000 watches. Yeah. I mean, $40,000 timepieces that have to go to Switzerland for six months at a time. He's a man that needs a steady stream of income. He doesn't need a lump sum that the government's just going to reach into his pocket. Greg needs to avoid paying taxes every year like a real rich person. And this is, this is how he does it. Moving right along, boy, I'm telling you, there is a crowded field at the top. Number four is Jerry. Now, Jerry has been so muted this season. I feel that that's always kind of been her personality. She opened up with the sexual escapades with Roman last year, which she largely seems to be totally disinterested in. Now Roman takes his footwear off in her office. It's something that she does not care for. And you know what? I am totally on board. I think footwear should be kept on. Definitely socks. Socks count as footwear. That was pretty disgusting. But it shows that the level of intimacy, which was always messed up, has changed a little bit. And she also says that she's going out on a date. So she's dating. She is the power player in this relationship, which is wild. I think that's kind of something that Roman gets off on. So I don't think that he's going to be running for the exits uh, anytime soon. Strategically, this episode, what were you struck by that Jerry did? Uh, well, yeah, Jerry just mostly keeps her head down and keeps working. And that's kind of how she's gotten where she's, she is now. So I think that that's her same plan. And, and, and she told Roman, she said, do what is in your best interest. And that's something that she is obviously doing. Uh, it's kept her around. It's gotten her into a very serious position of power now. And, you know, she had her, well, who knows how much fun it was for her, really. But she had her fun with Roman. And now she has to, you know, keep him on a short leash and keep him from sabotaging himself and her and the company. So she's doing that. You know, it's just Jerry doing Jerry stuff. She's out there taking care of business. You know, she's like Kramer coming to work with the suitcase full of saltines. Just getting it done. Yeah, this episode was a real testament to the utility players at Waystar. I mentioned earlier, Frank, Carl, Jerry, competence stands out. Basic core competency stands out when you have all these wild cards making either poor rash decisions or rash decisions, which seem to work out. There's something to be said about steadiness and Jerry is that steady hand. And, and I couldn't help but thinking last night as I was like, realizing how much I enjoyed Frank and how much I enjoyed Carl and how much I appreciated them, like having 
the status with Logan to be able to complain about Shiv and get their way immediately. I keep think of how fewer problems there would be in this empire, in this universe, if people listened more to Jerry, if people listened more to Carl, if people listened more to Frank and affected that pose and posture toward the world. Now, would there be a show? No. And this is based on, you know, the worst family of all time. But this family is also smart and they didn't get to where they are without knowing how to use client and personnel and talent. And I just feel that like, I'll make another analogy uh, of the college football playoff. Jerry doesn't have a big loss on her ledger. And if she can just keep a clean sheet, other people are going to self-implode. They're pitted up against each other. They're not going to merge with, they're not going to merge completely unscathed. And she'll be at the end of the day, still at the top of the depth chart, barring something completely unforeseen and not in line with her personality happening. Yeah. Jerry's just, you know, winning in, you know, that's, that's exactly how it is for her. And I mean, I don't really, how much more can you say about Jerry? Uh, she, she was very economical in her screen time and her uh, actions this episode. But I, I just do want to point out that Roman jokes that she was going out on a date with a, uh, Montgomery Clift and Montgomery Clift was an actor who died in 1966. So, I mean, Rowan's like in his early thirties. I I just don't know how he, how he makes this uh, where he has the frame of reference for this, uh, this particular pop culture reference, if you want to call it that it's, I mean, this is like before most of the Beatles music. (laughs) I mean, it's a hell of a pull. I, I I can't imagine what went through what went on in the writer's room to come up with that. Yeah, not a yeah, not a critique of the show at all, but yes, Roman is definitely the writer's room character when you can hear the bit of sardonic dialogue and wonder if it came from one of like 12 different people with their different sensibilities. I would say that the mid 60s or even uh vaudeville what is this guy vaudeville cat skills um, you know, the, the man definitely was late in his life when he was rationing out butter during the war, a tremendous pull. Number three, we have the younger Roy Kendall. So interesting with him, just like many of the episodes at points, you see him as his father's equal. They dress the same. They have the same tactics. They're physically together for the first time this season out by the ocean. He finally hears what he always wanted to hear from his father about him being the best one. But he only hears it because a shareholder needs to be pacified. It's, it's day trading. It's what needed to be said in the moment. Tremendous, tremendous scene. Two scenes, actually, of them sitting in silence and just the wind howling with so much being said without actual words being spoken. I thought that was the most powerful moments of last night's episode. The, I I don't know. It was just, there was so much, there was everybody at home was going to have a different reading of what was going on. I thought that my reading of it is a little bit different from some of the pieces I've seen online this morning. And my reading was that I think that deep down Logan meant a lot of what he said about Kendall. I think that he believes that Kendall is the most capable one He is the one that has proven he will go against him. But I think that there's certainly a point 
I think that there's certainly something in Logan that respects that. His main complaint about Kendall earlier was that he wasn't a killer. That's why he couldn't be in the company. If Kendall's done one thing in the last five episodes, it's proved that he is willing to be a killer. I think that in scramble mode, going out to this island, courting a rich mercurial person, I thought that Kendall did a really good job. It's amazing how likable inoffensive his personality can be when it needs to be when you see like what he is like behind closed doors and how he's always close to being off the rails i thought he looked pretty clean this episode i didn't i didn't think that there was any type of drug use signage so maybe things are coming together a little bit better for for kendall but again even as his father is wheezing for breath there's real concerns i thought that there might be a heart attack Kendall is still the weaker person on screen, which is pretty amazing when you're talking about an 81-year-old patriarch who's gasping for breath and still Kendall feels kind of like the beta in that situation. What are your Kendall thoughts from a very emotional, affecting, and kind of dynamic episode from him? Yeah, I mean, it's just two incredible performances together, and they're if they were real people, these, the, it's such a complicated relationship where, yeah, I think there is a lot of what Logan said was the truth. You know, he's, he's the best one. He's, I mean, I don't know. It's a loose definition of good boy, but he, he's probably the most capable. He's probably the most like himself. He makes the most sense. He was always the highest up in the company. He is his child, so there probably is a part of him deep down that loves him, just like uh, as Kendall's trying to trying to take everything his father knows. He, you see him when he have, is having the uh, the heat issue, that you know he's still just he's a little kid trying to save his dad, where it would be in his best interest to just walk on. And just be like, oh yeah, dad's back there taking a phone call. And and one thing about the uh, the first time, that, the two times that they're left alone and they're just in complete silence. The first time when uh, Josh leaves the room, I don't know what it was, but it felt like with, with the music, they like, they changed the tone, just like sucked the air out of the room. It was just so effective. And you could just feel it as they're just, seething and trying to keep everything down deep down and not let the investor see but you know it was just great this show is so big and broad at moments and it is so stylish and has these amazing touchstone moments where major things happen and and they're broad but the way that they can make those small moments feel impactful too and nobody is better than Jeremy Strong. Uh, his reaction both last week when he was being humiliated, when he's, his eyes well up, when he sits in silence, he is so amazing. Like, it is such a – that casting, I, I if he wasn't cast in that role, to me, this series is not what it is. Him, he is Kendall. And – he knows that character and he, you know, he's a method actor. He's very serious. It's just so amazing to watch him do the little things. And I think that that's almost 
like the hardest thing that an actor can do. And it's just the perfect showcase. And especially when he's doing it, doing it paired up with Brian Cox, special television. Number two, Logan. Quite a roller coaster for him. Asserts power, basically is afraid of a double cross on this flight to get out to wherever the hell it was, uh, a private island on Long Island. He calls Kendall Judas. He says what he needs to say in the moment, whether he believes it or not. He almost dies. A mixed bag for Logan. And really, you know, like, like we said with Kendall, moments throughout the series, throughout this season, he feels like he's at the top of his game. And then there are moments where it feels like he is teetering on a cliff. Yeah. Uh, Logan will, he will walk through a heart attack if he has to, you know, and I mean, this is something that was, I don't know how, how much it was set up. We'll probably talk about it a little more, but like he was put in a bad position. He's going out there for a little sit down on private Island. It's like, Hey, let's go for a uh, hike. Well, that, and he's like, well, I don't want to do that, but, you know, screw it. I will do it. And just keep going, keep going. We will, well, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Fighting through everything. You know, he's got the heart of a champion, which uh, you love to see in your, uh, in your head of waste star, Royco. But, you know, he's also a very bad person. So he, he's willing to do whatever he has to, which is, which includes telling his son he loves him, which is only partially true probably so you know just i mean we kind of talked about with uh with kendall as well we talked about with kendall as well you know it's this it's there they were just joined the hip this episode and it was it was very good and they were both willing to do whatever and now we're now we're just waiting to see what happens with uh what's his name josh where the hell were they? How far did they walk? How did they get lost? How do you not know which way the ocean is? I have a lot of I have a lot of logistical questions and for the rare occasion, I do think that it held back my enjoyment a little bit. I did think that the plot was a little weak. This whole gambit and you said let's talk about whether it was a setup or not to go out there and take a walk. What would the setup be? Was I like, they know, Josh knows Logan's age. He's not going to base this decision on his physical ability to walk a long ways. One wouldn't think like it's $350 million, I believe he said. I just didn't totally understand what the bit was. I thought it was all a bit contrived to make it seem old versus young healthy versus not healthy um, and to have those physical moments and to get those two together. And you rarely hear me criticize the show, but I just didn't really understand the whole getting lost in the wilderness bit. Did it work for you? Um, well, yes. Cause I mean, since the very first episode, this is Logan's health has been at the heart of all of this. So if you're sticking with Logan you want to make sure that, you know, Logan's going to be there. And if not, you want to see that, you know, how he and his son are. And obviously, I don't know, he, Logan looked bad. He looked, he obviously, he's old. And 
and Kendall has looked a little weak, but he also looked like he cared. So I don't know how much is as for where they were. I mean, they're way out in Long Island. So uh, on an Island off Long Island, apparently. And we found the Zillow listing. It's like a $50 million house that's been up for sale that hasn't been sold. It's like in one of those spots where, you know, the government has to spend all this money so it won't flood and wash away. Um, who knows how much of those dunes he, he knows exactly where they are. Maybe he did get lost and maybe he's trying to get his uh, ATVs out there to pick them up. But I th think there was, a, there was a little gamesmanship. I mean, why take that walk at all? I mean, you can have lobster and fresh clams back at the house um, and take it easy on the 80-year-old uh, man. He tried. Kendall, I, I mean, all three of these guys are right at the top where it's hard to talk about any one of them separately because they're, they were all so intertwined this episode. I, I don't even remember if we're on Kendall or Logan right now. No, you make a really good point and about you make a really good point about wanting to see that relationship and wanting to see the health. I mean, you're you're right. It, it's the it's the callback to like the very first scene of succession that's always been in the background, even if it hasn't been uh, in the front of people's minds. And number one, we'll get to it. You like you said, all these these three people out there on the dunes so intertwined number one is going to be the shareholders led by josh aronson and adrian brody is so fascinating to watch it was so thrilling to see him appear on screen wearing like five layers uh, i believe he had like a t-shirt a hoodie a vest he looked very very vc his personality was incredible. He clearly made the whole thing up. You saw his supposedly sick daughter doing a sick jackknife dive into the pool in like 40 degree temperatures. That that wasn't a daughter. All right. I think I'm pretty sure that was set up to make it sound like a daughter because that woman that dove into the pool is naked. That's that's definitely like his his girlfriend. And it's just weird the way they set up. They're like, ah, oh, Kitty has a fever. You know, Kitty's sick, so he doesn't want to go. And then uh, Kendall walks in. He's like, how's Kitty? You know, and, oh, she had a fever this morning. It's the damnedest thing. I didn't want to go to the city. And then you see her doing a somersault into the pool. And it's like, isn't that incredible? You know, she was in bed an hour ago. It's oh, like, okay. It, this is, that's weird billionaire stuff. Yeah, and definitely weird too because he spent when he, the first thing that he said to both Kendall and Logan when he arrived was basically like speaking to them as a father about their kids. So yeah, yeah. we're not gonna yep. go. We're gonna go ahead and not trust this guy. He seems pretty skeevy uh, for obvious reasons. He was ready to just leave them at the end. Uh, he made the allusion to yep. uh, he had visitors coming. We learned that those visitors were Stewie and those who wanted a hostile takeover. So the guy just doesn't care. He does whatever he wants. Uh, to a certain level, I respect that too. But I think that like his inclusion into the series is unbelievable because he has the ability to stand up to those two, which is a very rare in this universe. And he says like, you think that I just had a lucky day at a, the casino, um, you know, and I'm some rude, but look, I mean, I have a gun to your head right now. And he's right about that. 
it is not the same size gun that the FBI has to Logan's head. So I do have the quibble about why he's the most important person in the room when the elephant in the room is the impending investigation, which is clearly going to grow more serious if Logan keeps antagonizing the president. But it does seem like in the coming scenes, we saw a peek into the shareholders taking more agency of being a large point moving forward, which is weird to me because like all of these problems, all this disconnect, all of this uncertainty was evident last year. It isn't a new thing that there's all this disconnect and drama with the Roy family. Yes, it's escalated to a new level because Kendall left and you got the shiv letter. But your thoughts on the shareholders, the proletariat, the people <laughs> finally being so standing up to the reigning Roy family. Yes, the, the people, the common man, the guy who lost $350 million, which was only apparently 10% of his 4%. Um, you know, I, I love room for the little guy. Um, it's just, I, I don't think... Logan doesn't seem that concerned with the FBI. Um, I think he thinks he's going to play the president. You know, at the end, he has the president on the phone being angry. Um, and he just simply says, you know, if I didn't have to worry about this investigation, I could be more hands-on with, uh, with Ravenclaw and Hogwarts and the rest of them. So, yeah, I, I don't know about... The shareholders, obviously, they do hold... They probably have... He's more afraid of them because they can actually take it over like that if like Josh Aronson flips to Stewie and then they just take it away from the family. You know, if the FBI, I, I, I don't know how big federal investigations work, but like everyone stands to lose stuff if the FBI does it, but the, just the family could lose stuff if the shareholders can come together and take it away from the family. Before we came on air, you had an astute observation about Josh Aronson's resemblance to another person who's been in the news last week. What was it? Uh, he, he was giving off some uh, Aaron Rodgers vibes there, um, you know, dressed, dressed for the occasion to head out and on his hike, um, maybe to seek the healing powers of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, from his palatial home with his young friend in the pool you know it, it had some vibes we we don't know as to his uh vaccination status but this is a this is a different uh timeline a, a happier timeline for some like greg and uh oh before we go i just want to also just to go back to greg for a second at the very beginning um, when he and Kendall are having that interaction where he's called the C Logan and it's like, they're calling him sturdy birdie saying knuckle up big bird. And I, you know, and now big birds having a moment. So, you know, there, there are parallels all over the show there's real world involved everywhere. Yeah. And, and, you know, jokes aside, like, that is what makes it cool. Like it does feel always feel in the moment. This stuff was filmed a long time ago. It's so hard for television. I think to 
capture the zeitgeist and not feel dated, especially when you have these long lead in times and with succession. I mean, a lot of this was filmed back in the pandemic and we know about the delay. This stuff ages well because it anticipates what's happening in our world. And I think that that's a testament to, I think that that's largely Adam McKay. Like Adam McKay has been so good at like seeing the world for what it is through the big short um, stuff like that. He understands that ecosystem of like, okay, what would the Murdoch family do? What are they going to do? What is going to be the conversation? It's a show that's very online, is very up to date, is very cool. And I think that that's pretty amazing. Uh, I will be curious whenever we get around to our Succession rewatch podcast in like 2035 <laughs> um, with cousin uncle Kyle Sam, um, how the show, if the show feels dated or if it still feels relevant. But I let the record show that in the moment, there's never been anything that feels like it could be coming straight from the news because it does such a good job of aping it and then also aping the behaving aping the behavioral patterns of people in power with that proclivity toward being awful yeah maybe it's that they don't make uh, specific cultural references um you know they they make up some celebrities a little bit but there's no like oh i was at the club with justin bieber the other day but yeah, uh, back to the big short, you know, that's one of the, I think that might be the first place I remember seeing Jeremy Strong, where he's playing someone from the same world, um, maybe a kind of similar, there's a piece of Kendall in there, but it's just a completely different guy, you know, it's, but yeah, big short, very good, succession, very good, um, you know, subscribe, like five stars, all that. All right. Well, yes, that uh, beautiful closing by Stephen signals the end of the episode. Yeah, we're going to be doing this. We're continuing. We're almost halfway done with the season. The rankings have been, they've been active. People have been Volatile. out and down. Um, yeah. Leave a review. Listen to our other podcasts, the Press Pass podcast, the Kyle Coster show. We will be back on this feed tomorrow with NFL picks. That's me and Liam. You know, nobody needs another podcast to listen to, but, you know, if you listen to this one, listen to the next one. Thanks for joining us. Keep watching Succession. I'm Kyle Coster. That's Stephen Douglas.